Good morning on this Friday in our eighth week of ordinary time, preparing this weekend for the Holy Trinity, Mass, Mass and celebration of the Holy Trinity. We're confronted with the grandfather's wisdom again today, Sirach. We can spend, we can spend a lifetime studying these, these offerings from Ben Sirach. And he brings us out of the 44th chapter today these simple truths that this good name, this life of integrity and a life lived in authenticity is more valuable than anything. In our contemporary time, right here, right now, in this moment in our nation, we can see that. We've seen it over the many, many decades. A person can be of great renown, they can be a celebrity, they can be a a figure of great popularity and awareness. They can be the wealthiest person on the planet and their life is still complex and shame can be brought into their life. That happens. And what Ben Sirach is trying to tell us, what Sirach is trying to tell us is that this good name is remembered for all posterity. And he's giving us that confidence. I will now praise the godly, our ancestors in their own time, the abounding glory of the Most High's portion, his own part since the days of old, resolute princes of the flock, lawgivers and their rulers, sages skilled in composition, speaking of the world. But what he says this is, some of them left behind a name so that people recount their praises. Of others, no memory remains, for when they perished, they perished as if they had never lived. But their wealth remains in their families and their heritage with their descendants. This good name, this integrity, this to reflect on our elders and the ancestry of our own families. Stories passed down from great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. We, we hold them in great esteem and endearment because of their goodness, their integrity of life. It's usually not the story of how wealthy they were or great accomplishments. And we have the privilege of celebrating a funeral rite here for those who've passed. It's very seldom that a person comes up and offers some recitation of all their accomplishments. It normally has to do with their love, their character, their generosity the person, not the things, not the doingness. Today, in our reading from Mark, let's set ourselves in context. We're in the 11th chapter of Mark, and we know from our own study of Scripture and our hearing of it at Mass that it's here in the 11th chapter that our Lord has made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is the beginning of Holy Week, this entry into Jerusalem. And we're told in Mark's detail that he's staying while in Holy Week before the Last Supper, Where did he stay from that Sunday? We we know it as Palm Sunday. Where did he stay Sunday through Wednesday? Well, he stayed in Bethany. Who lived in Bethany? Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Is it possible that he was staying in their home? It's possible. We don't know that. But Bethany is a short distance from Jerusalem. So he's staying in Bethany during what we now recognize as Holy Week. And... He comes up into the temple area, and he's, this is not a new awareness to our Lord, I'm sure, but he's just so confounded by what it has become. This place of worship to God the Father has become this place of embarrassment and shame and inauthenticity. And what he's most frustrated by is, as we know from our study of that moment in time, that era, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had become very powerful in their control of Jewish faith and Jewish worship. And what had been proscribed for the people is that they needed to offer offerings to the priests so that the priests could offer them on behalf of the people. Now that had been the history of the Jewish faith since 
their wanderings in the desert. That's not new. What is new is how commercialized it had become. Because most people at that era in Jerusalem, a very large city, were not uh, living an agrarian life. They were in the city at this point. Or they, if they were from an agrarian existence, they weren't going to carry doves or bring lambs some great distance to come to the temple for offering. They would procure them there in the immediacy of the temple. And that's the Gentile court, the outer court that's there, where these tables of exchange exist. And that, that infuriates our Lord because he's just been acknowledged in his triumphal entry into the city. He's been acknowledged as, behold, behold, it says. Let me look for that exact reference. Behold, it is the Lord, and they are placing their cloaks before him. When they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany on Mount Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately on enter it, you will find a colt. And we know that from our narrative. And the people cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is to come. Hosanna in the highest. That had to infuriate the Sadducees because this man, this itinerant preacher, this adopted son of a carpenter, this Yeshua of Nazareth has now come and he's being adored, he's being praised by the common people, being recognized as the king, the royal robes placed around him and palm and branches, ferns set on the ground before his colt, entering the city as David had done. On his way, we're told, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, he'd returned that evening to Bethany, the next day he's returning to Bethany and he sees a fig tree. Now the fig tree, why is that important? The fig tree was symbolic of Israel. The fig tree was symbolic of Israel. An arborist will tell us this, that a, the fig tree, and there may be other species of, fruiting, of, of fruitful plants that do this, but on the fig tree in particular, the uh, appearance of the small fruit is coincident to the emergent bud of the leaf. In many fruit trees, like an apple that we may be familiar with, the tree is in full leaf for some weeks before the small bud of fruit appears because it's the flower of the apple tree that gets pollinated and that becomes obviously the fruit itself. Fig tree, it doesn't work that way. In the fig tree, the fruit begins to emerge coincident with the leaf. So when Jesus sees, and Mark gives us that detail, when he found it, when he reached it rather, he found nothing but leaves. It was not the time for figs. That can be a little confusing. It's not the time for figs to be in full bear, but the fig should have been on the tree in some emergent form. So the fruit of the tree should have been as apparent as the outward show of the leaf. That's the metaphor, that's the point. And he found this fig tree absent fruit, just the leaves, just the externality of being a healthy tree, but no actual fruit in the tree. And that's his claim with the Sadducees. They are fig trees without fruit. They look, they look uh, to be in authority. They appear to be pious. They stand before the temple. Oh, woe, woe, woe is he who's not like me. That's their prayer. Woe is he who's not like me. And Jesus attests that, and he calls them out on it. He challenges them on it, and they fear him. They fear him because he challenges their authority, and the people are responding to his authenticity of compassion and love and hope, his message of truth. The Sadducees' power is being challenged and threatened, and now their commercial enterprise is being challenged and threatened, and he's raised Lazarus from the dead. 
That's what really did it. He raised Lazarus from the dead, which they couldn't control or explain. So he cleanses the temple. And his chief priests and scribes came to hear of it and were seeking a way to put him to death. Yet they feared him because the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. It's his authenticity of the faith. As we go forward in our sacrifice of the Mass today, we are humbled in our ability to be present as a people of faith, to participate in the sacrifice of the Mass. We bring, we bring ourselves, recognizing our own imperfections, our own faults. Perhaps we are fig trees at times. We have a lot of leaf and not a lot of fruit. That can happen. But we examine ourselves as the Mass begins. We offer the confetti or I am not worthy to be here. We acknowledge that in authenticity. Not woe is he, woe is me, woe is me in my own transgressions. But I come restored in the faith through the Lord, his mercy offered in prayer, his real presence in the Eucharist. We are invited to receive that, recognizing our imperfection, but challenged to walk forward in faith and piety as best we can. And we bring that truth then out into the world. We don't say, look at me, I've accomplished this. No, we say, look at him, he makes it so. Through him that I have life, it is through him that I have life, and it is through his mercy that I live and breathe each day. And it is through his intent that I know him and bring that truth and compassion out into the world. Let's live that truth as authentically as we can. Let's find ways to be merciful to one another. And let's be those trees that bear good fruit, the fruit of Christ's mercy, and the fruit of Christ's compassion, and the fruit of Christ's salvation. God bless you all.